Hello, lovelies. Welcome to year three of Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. If you're new to the show, please remember, back it up and see what you've been missing. Those of you who love it already, remember, I need you. I need you to like, to share, review, subscribe, and maybe even consider clicking that patron button. Let's grow our community so that we can grow and learn together. Something has really occurred to me this week. It is that as a whole, we seem to have a really skewed sense of what happy is, what it actually means to be happy. It's like we're walking around seeking some imaginary, unprecedented, continuous spark or something. And, and the seeking of this is delusional, to say the least, but it's definitely disastrous and really leads to disconnect and fear and even depression. We have branded anything other than giddiness <laughs> as, as negative. You know, if, if we feel calm, if we feel quiet, if we feel slow or bored, we have somehow decided that this is sadness. And God forbid that we feel bored or quiet or calm or even peaceful for too long, we start to think that maybe we're sad or we've gotten depressed. It has come to my attention that this is largely an American thing too, by the way. A combination of factors have brought this together. Pretty much like everything else you've ever heard me talk about, the universe just starts pointing and pointing me in a direction, and then we just keep going that way. Actually, my children, um, those of you who've been listening very long, you know that we are doing... Um, virtual schooling, uh, Texas Online Preparatory School, uh, public virtual school. Um, anyway, we're studying American history. Now, of course, this is timely with the election and everything, but this was really timely with this theme of happiness that's been interweaving in my life for the past week or so with literally every client and every personal conversation, just everywhere I turn. There's this whole conversation about, you know, the truly immigrants that came and, we'll say, repopulated the Americas. What then were not the Americas? Irrelevant. We're not having a historical, political debate of any kind today, except that. So the French came and the Spanish came and they all came. And when England finally joined in, one of the first dudes that Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, sent over here was one of the explorer guys, right? And she gave him the first deed of land or whatever the fancy word is for it, sent him over here looking for riches and stuff for her. But what he actually said he wanted to find was happiness. Now, what is happiness? And by the way, this dude died. He wasn't even successful. It was the his half-brother who came after him who was able to get things really rolling over here. But as we were reading about this in the children's history book, I started thinking about how in our founding documents, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, somehow this has gotten twisted in the modern American mind, or maybe everybody all the time, and maybe we don't all even realize it, but to this idea that we are expected to have happy, that happy is something that should be given to us, gifted to us, an inalienable right to have happiness. But what is happiness? What does that actually mean? 
I've asked a bunch of people that this week, and most were sort of stumped on how do we put words on what is happy. Now, before we actually get to defining the word happy itself, which those of you who know me know I love words, I love definitions, I think one thing that's really interesting, especially being that I did have this spark of light when we were talking about this British explorer that came over and his whole idea of happy, is that Britain and America have a very different understanding of happy. In fact, the majority of the world thinks that America's obsession with happiness is insanity, that it's actually an insult. Many Brits actually think that our American obsession with happiness is an insult to what actually makes up a good life. The problem is, is that so many Americans and us truly as an overarching culture, we reject negativity of all kinds as quickly as possible. We're actually screwing with our own heads, like not being what we're calling happy, but what is more described as giddy or delirious all the time is a failure. The closest I got to anybody having an answer to what happiness was that they felt confident about was that it meant like smiling. Uh, okay, smiling has nothing to do with being happy. I'm as guilty as the next person of noticing somebody with a resting bitch face and thinking, ooh, they must be miserable. But you do realize that's bullshit. A smile all the time <laughs> could be a sign of delusion, really. But it's often a habit, okay? I have a habit. I smile all the time. I did not realize until recently that the simple fact that I almost 24-7 have a smile on my face is actually putting pressure on my daughter in particular. I have never said, oh, you have to be smiley. Those words have never come out. I have never talked about smiling as a symbol of happiness. I have never said that it was a thing that you had to be. But when I was growing up, it was a thing I had to be. If I wasn't smiling, I was told there was something wrong with me, that that wasn't okay, that I should smile all the time. And therefore, while I will admit that I am a optimistic and happy person by the real definition of happy that we will go over shortly, the fact that I'm smiling all the time, <laughs> that's just a habit. It's a habit you could create if you want to. I mean, it attracts a lot of attention, I get. The more I've reflected on it, the more I think about how many times I've gone places and I was told I have a beautiful smile. Now, maybe I do, or maybe it's just because I'm the only person fucking smiling from ear to ear all day long. <laughs> anyway, my point is that this unrealistic idea of what happiness looks like or feels like is a mistake. It sets us up for failure. Perhaps our goal should be something more like peaceful because that's more real, more tangible. How much time do we actually spend feeling calm or quiet? And we should be able to not decide this is numb or sad, that it's peaceful, that it's good, that it is a symptom of having done what needs to be done, which is actually quite largely how the Brits define happiness, right? It, their focus is less on some elevated emotion than it is on what is the path? 
What is the path to having family, to having work or school success? The pursuit of happiness itself is an insult. It is the pursuit of a good life, which is far more in line with the actual definition of happy or happiness than anything else. It's more focused on the fact that things take effort and that we're playing the long game, that we should embrace all the parts of ourselves, have true self-awareness, and, well, live in a state of improvement, right? Not, not everything is supposed to be fun, and not everything requires that we even enjoy it, right? It requires knowing there's a reason why we're doing it and that we can fulfill it, even if it's just that I have to. When I'm doing my math homework, maybe I can't really conceive of that I'm going to need this because I'm going to take algebra later or maybe my job in the future, but truly just the fact that I need to get this assignment turned in, it is an expectation, and being able to say I got it done, that is an achievement that leads to a space of happiness by what it's really supposed to be. So thinking about all of this, I literally just looked up the definition of happiness and that was not helpful because it's just the state of being happy and that still leads us to this empty hole of what the fuck does happy mean? Well, so happy. Happy is having some enjoyment, some entertainment. Okay, so, so some laughter here and there. That's wonderful, right? I'm a big fan of laughing at ourselves. I think we need to do that far more often. But really, the definition of happy that makes the most sense is fortunate and convenient. But this only really makes sense when you think about the definitions of those two words as well. What is fortunate? Fortunate is good luck, but that doesn't mean the best things happening all the time. It means favorable. It means that I've got food, I've got a home, I have someone who thinks about me on occasion, hopefully someone who loves me, and really favorable is goals met. Well, what is convenient? Convenient is fitting into our needs, right? The activities that we want to do, that we choose to do, that we have to do, and being useful. And so we go back to how the Brits very largely view the purpose of life, and that is, what am I doing that's useful? I want to think about what is satisfying, right? And, and what does that mean? For example, um, in my kids' online school, they have classes to attend and assignments to do, and there's these little circles next to each one. If they get it halfway done or they get below a certain grade, they get a half green mark. If they do it all the way and get a good grade, they have a green check mark. And it's only been a couple of weeks, but they've already said literally the words, it's so satisfying to see all those green check marks. That feeling of I did my job, that is really what happy is, right? Look, look what I accomplished today. Letting what we did today be enough. And if it's not, we don't want to lie to ourselves, right? We're not going to say, oh no, I didn't do the things I needed to do, but it's okay, I'm awesome, right? Like, that's a waste. We say, okay, no, I didn't do the things I meant to do for today, and, and that's bollocks. This is my new favorite word, by the way. And tomorrow, I'll make up for it. And we release ourselves from this idea that there is some deep darkness that comes 
with not meeting those goals because we come up with that solution and we move forward. Now, as I was thinking about this and digging into it and looking at a little bit about different cultures and things around the world, one of the things I read was that Americans tend to look at Brits as cynics. This is actually kind of amusing. If you actually, again, think about what the words actually mean. Okay, so they think our obsession with happiness is crazy. Actually, it really is making us the most depressed country in the world because our expectation is this strange, giddy bubbliness all the time, right? They're not cynics. Cynics is basically to, to have cynicism is to have the belief that people are purely motivated by self-interest. That's not what they're saying at all, right? They're saying by doing the best that I can, by fulfilling the tasks that I need, by recognizing that I have what I need in this world, that I can be peaceful, right? I might be quiet. I might be calm. I might be tired. I might be bored. But my, my fulfillment is there. I got really curious about this word cynic, right? And so I dug into it a little bit more and I learned that, and I'd heard of them before, but I didn't know anything about them, a group of Greek philosophers called the cynics. And I saw that cynic means dog. So of course that got me super curious and it led me to Dionenes or however you say his name, D-I-O-G-E-N-E-S, okay? And he was like the leader, <laughs> okay, of the cynics. He said a couple of things that I can really align to. He said that self-control is the greatest virtue. I'm going to say amen to that. And if you've been listening, you'll know why, right? Self-control, choice, recognizing that we can redirect our thinking. We can redirect our actions. We can choose, right? Choice has always been a theme for me. Self-control is recognizing our power to choose and utilizing it to not allow ourselves to decide there's something wrong with us just because we're not bubbly today, that there's wrong something wrong with somebody else because they're not smiling or maybe because they are. My daughter was surprised to learn that over the years, I have had more than a couple of people not like me just because I smile too much. Now, granted, this was mostly during adolescence, but guarantee there's at least one PTA mom out there who says, who the hell does she think she is with that smile all the time? Little does she know it's a habit, <laughs> right? Not that I'm not happy, but I'm happy because I am fortunate. I have the convenient things in my life and I don't label my quiet times as sad. I don't label my tired times as sad or my boredom as sad. I don't go out of my way to compare myself to what other people have. That is a gross mistake of people all over the world, but in America, it is quite an epidemic. We really have to stop. Anyway, one of the things that uh, Di, <laughs> I don't want to murder his name, that this wonderful cynic said was that the really way to contentment, to happiness, was the rejection of all unnecessary things like possessions and social status. Well, you can take just those words and think that they mean like, you know, go be a hermit somewhere, but that's not what he meant. He was saying have possessions, have social status, but recognize that they in themselves have no intrinsic value. It is 
What am I able to do? Is what I did today enough? And this idea that we should be more honest with ourselves and each other and quit trying to live towards this idea that we will never have a negative thought, never have a misstep, never need criticism, or never have any to give. There's a famous quote that he said that is where the name cynic, remember that means dog, came from. He said, and I love this so much, at first I thought it was weird, and then I, I just gave it a second, just give it a second. He said, other dogs bite their enemies. I bite my friends to save them. You guys, yeah, I bite my friends to save them. Those of you listening that are clients, or maybe I've said it before, like my clients call me the ass kicker for a reason. I might have to bite you. Hey, you might have to bite your friends. We're not going to go for the jugular. We're going to be sweet. We're going to nip at their hand or their foot, right? But we're not going to sit here and pretend that everything's fine. We're not going to say, oh, this is far too negative. Let's just talk about what's sweet and beautiful and lovely when what we really need to say is, yeah, that's bollocks. Let's fix it. Let's come up with a plan. What's step one? And let's make it achievable so that we will be able to recognize that what we did today is good enough. Let's find solutions other than complaints and excuses. It's pretty awesome, I think. And it does lead to a far less anxious existence. It puts our focus back on cause and effect, the task for the task's sake. Something I've said so many times, realizing now that there should be more explanation. That it's not about some imaginary happy on the other side. It's about the satisfaction of a job completed. Preferably a job well done. If we could just take the energy that we push into the pursuit of this glorified sensation or emotion that we can't even really describe, if we took that and we put it more on productivity. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy. Absolutely. Right? Enjoy time. Waste time even. Rest. Most cultures take much longer lunches and dinners. They have siestas and things. They don't ever say that rest is bad. In fact, many of them would say that the day has been wasted if they didn't take that time. So what do we do? What do we pursue? We pursue having a day, having a life that meets our needs, where we're able to accomplish something, no matter how small, Let's be fair, life without responsibility is boring. Boring. Sometimes life with responsibility is boring. Life is supposed to be boring sometimes, right? The goal, of course, is to be able to be in awe of life, to recognize that my spirit chose to be right here, right now, in this body, living this life, to look at the miracle that the grass is, to look at the miracle that the bird out the window is, to look at the miracle of what an accumulation of dust is. Like, what a weird and amazing thing that exists. But that's not going to be possible every day. And the fact that we expect it, the fact that we would expect to not still be okay to not be something other than depressed 
if we have more than a moment without exhilaration, that's silly. It's screwing with our heads. It's so screwing with our heads. We have to stop. In America, we talk you, uh, all over the world, let's be fair, but in America, more than anywhere else, we have this obsession with this American dream, which is this sustained happiness. And yet, the majority of people I know who have achieved what most people would define as the American dream, great success, great wealth, those are the least happy people that I know, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, that's funny, because I did it too. Happy by this American standard. Unfortunately, they, they're unhappy by all standards because they're not continuing to make goals. Many of them are just sitting still. They're tainted by expectation. You guys, we don't need to know exactly what our passion is. We don't need to know exactly what our purpose is. We just need to live each day and do the things. Do the things with as much patience as we can. Do the things for the satisfaction of a job well done. Do the things for the enjoyment of binge watching a show all day on Saturday afternoon and not apologizing for it. Not deciding that there's anything wasted. It was a choice. We talk so much about passion. What a bizarre emotion that is. Different for all of us. And it's funny because when you talk to someone who says they have a deep passion, they also can't explain to you what it means. People have chosen labels for their emotions. And this can be good or bad. You can say, I'm sad for now, or you can say I'm depressed and it becomes a different thing in your consciousness, in your heart, in your mind. You can say, I feel good today when you feel calm and steady, or you can say, I feel numb. That becomes something else inside of you. Our words have so much power. They're true definitions have power beyond our understanding because our brains know words. You guys, we, we take on too much for ourselves and others. I read recently a piece of parenting advice. It said that whenever your child, and I'm going to say your husband, your friend, even a client, like whatever, when they come to you complaining about something, telling you something, that the thing you should always start with before they get too much into it, before you put some decision on it as to whether or not it is significant, whether or not it is your job to be able to do anything about it, whether or not it is one of those things to be fulfilled that then can make you be the actual definition of happy or not, you ask them, do you want me to get involved, offer help, or just listen. You can ask them that or you can decide for yourself. I'm going to just listen. Set yourself free from putting some expectation at the other end of that that can choose for you whether or not you are happy, content, 
peaceful. We have to quit chasing this pipe dream. We have to quit thinking that a conversation can be far too negative. We have to get comfortable being a little uncomfortable so that we can learn something and then take so much fulfillment from the achievement of that thing, or not even its achievement, its pursuit. The focus should be more on the path than the end result because our expectation of that end result can be so tainted by this giddy thing that we think happy is. We see someone bouncing around joyfully and we think, oh, they have happiness, I want that. Do they? Do they have happiness? Maybe they do. Do they have ADD? Maybe they do, <laughs> right? Do they have PTSD and they're distracting themselves? Maybe they do. That thing is not what we should judge ourselves toward. That thing should not be our goal. Our goal should be the satisfaction of knowing we're taking steps towards what it is that we want in our lives, whether it is education, whether it is a goal at work, whether it is getting the house clean, whether it is relaxing and recuperating, enjoying our homes, our yards, each other. These are the things life is made of, not some flighty, high up there, imaginary emotion that fails us when anything less hits us down on the ground at the bottom of the hole as if we're not okay. Beloved, we're okay. In spirit, we're all okay all the time, no matter what's going on. In truth, in reality, in, in humanness, almost all of us are okay. And most who think that they're sad or depressed or broken, they really aren't. If they look at what they really have, I am not saying that there isn't true mood disorders and, and true mental health issues. These things are real. But so much of it comes from this false idea of what it means to be happy and this belief that anything less than that is simply not enough. Set yourself free from that. Set yourselves free from some expectation that keeps you from the reality, the blessings in your life. Enjoy who you are today, whether it's giddy or grumpy or quiet, slow. Maybe it really is sad, but guess what? You're only sad for now. This too shall pass. Until next time, beloved. Namaste. Hi beauties, my name is Megan and I couldn't pass up an opportunity to share who Jennifer Hall really is with all of you. Jennifer is a gifted woman who loves to share the tips and tricks of mastering lessons from the universe through real life experiences. When I found Jennifer about two years ago, I did not know what to expect. My past conditioning had me fearing psychics and avoiding them, and that was something I overcame within my first conversation with Jennifer. She has no desire to control you or make decisions for you, but she will tell you what's best for your highest good, and it's up to you to do the work or not. 
It's very common for people to seek out a psychic to read the future, and sure, it's human nature to want to know what we don't know, to find the certainty in life, but what you actually get through Jennifer is so much deeper than knowing with, with certainty. It's really about how to grow through the uncertainty and embrace the power each of us hold deep within our own sovereignty and untapped gifts. Jennifer has helped me grow through many lessons in life, relationship lessons with my husband of 15 years, my gifted and stubborn children, career lessons that involved overcoming complacency and dealing with difficult bosses, and of course, lessons for my spiritual growth and tapping into and embodying my own authenticity. Her podcast, Lessons from the Universe, is food for the soul. It is channeled wisdom, and it is personal wisdom that she picked up as she learned and grew into who she is today. Jennifer is well-known and sought out. I have people from all over the world reaching out to me to provide a referral to her so that she can speak with them and, and they're able to meet her. This podcast makes it possible for people all over the world to receive her messages and receive the love that she pours into the collective. If you aren't a patron today, please consider becoming one and donating as much as $1 per month. If all of her beloved fans donated just $1, it would make an amazing impact on her offerings to the world. I meet with Jennifer monthly, and I'm also a patron because I believe so much in the lessons from the universe, and I have witnessed the beauty in learning and growing, the beauty in overcoming and smashing the many bubbles of conditioning that I succumbed to in my past. I have a new, more powerful story, and a big part of this story is embracing lessons from the universe. Your story will continue to change, and your donations will help many others change their stories across the globe, allowing the story of the collective to change for the best as well. If you love and live through the lessons from the universe as much as I do, like, share, and become a patron, and watch Lessons from the Universe take the rest of the world by surprise in the best ways possible. Sending light and love to all of you. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. It is my privilege to have your ear and your time. Come out, find me on social media, visit one of my seminars, book an educational session. However it is that I can support you, I'm here. Remember, beloved, there's a little brunette with a podcast who's got your back.